0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam and Matt back at it again. We got a jam-packed show for you. We have all the Aaron Rodgers news that we're going to cover later in the show, a whole slate of football games, a Thursday night football game to go over. But I think we want to start it with baseball. Uh, A lot of free agency uh, signings starting to slowly creep in. Winter meetings on Sunday that begin. Matt, a lot of stuff in the pipeline. How are we doing today? I'm doing all right. That was a heck of a game last night. It kind of, uh, you know, Al Michaels
1: finally got his, finally got a game that was worth calling. Unfortunately, there was kind of a a flag every play, and he kind of had some funny lines about that. But all in all, that was a fantastic Thursday Night Football game, one we haven't gotten in a while. So that's, uh, you know, it started off my Friday on a high note.
0: Yeah, and I was, well, well, we're gonna get to football after baseball. But For that Thursday night game, I was in in real trouble yesterday because I was gassing up the Cowboys left and right all week saying how this would be a walkover game. And I think that the Cowboys, yeah, they haven't beat a winning team yet, but I think that, you know, you can only play who's in front of you, this, this, and that. I was really kind of, my head was spinning last night watching that game because I I, I thought everything I was kind of gassing up uh, was going to be thrown into the garbage. Kind of not the most impressive performance by the Cowboys, but... You know, they put up 41, they get the win. And again, you got you got to just beat who's in front of you. So uh, they take care of that one last night. Uh, we're going to put football aside, though. There's some big baseball news that, uh, again, slowly starting to creep in with the winter meetings on Sunday. Already a, a crosstown signing that we've already, uh, we've seen the last couple of days. Luis Severino headed to the Mets on a one-year deal, uh, a bit of a prove-it deal, it looks like to me give me some of your instant reactions give me some of your thoughts and some of your outlook on Sevy this year yeah so this is uh kind of the first real uh met splash in free agency it's a
1: one year deal I think it's a thirteen million dollar one year deal kind of a proven thing um you know there's no part of me that's gonna sit here and hate on it because of the season that he had last year and you actually could probably speak better to You know, not even just over the past season, but maybe the injuries that Severino's dealt with to get him to this point. But uh, we've definitely seen him be, you know, a a big time game kind of pitcher before. Um, I think there was a while where he was like just a fantastic postseason pitcher. So, you know, the, the fact that this is a one year deal, I don't hate it. You know, sure. Bring him in. He's a guy who's handled New York before. But I do kind of wonder what is the role here? Now, the Mets might not have anything to lose by saying, you know, we expect him to slot in. Uh, as one of our starters to begin the season, at least. But I feel like the only thing I'm a little bit weary on is, you know, Severino didn't really have the stuff to be a starter last year. There was even one, you know, funny quote, probably not true, but where he called himself, you know, right now, I feel like I'm the worst pitcher in the league. So he's dealt with some things, but, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he's able to get back to a, maybe not a, a full form Severino, but a nice pitcher, especially, you know, in New York where he's done it before. So um, just, I would like to get your thoughts, though, on where you think Severino's at now, uh, what kind of fire he was thrown into last year when he did get some time to pitch, and where you think he spots in for the Mets here.
0: Well, admittedly, well, first of all, the, the him saying he feels like he's the worst pitcher right now, m- most definitely is a real quote from him. I do remember that press conference. Yeah, I just uh, meant uh, not true, as in,
1: yeah, I don't think he was ever the worst pitcher in the st- league.
0: statistically. St- uh, statistically, maybe not, but. Real words, 100% said that. As for Severino, I I have been a huge Severino fan for years. And I think that, you know, he's one of those guys that I watch. And again, I acknowledge that he's not the ace that we we thought or Yankee fans thought he might be one day. Or, or he's not the, the front-end rotation guy that a lot of Yankee fans probably three, four years ago, myself included, probably projected him to be as well. And, and I don't think that it's anything that, the Yankees did to him, uh, or, or you know, some sort of you know, someone got in his head in terms of different pitching coaches or different pitching kind of uh, ways of thinking. But I think that he just needed a reset, and not not necessarily that he couldn't handle New York. Like we've seen again, like you said, we've seen guys like Sonny Gray come to New York and just totally fall on their face. And, and for Severino and I guess the Mets, uh, you don't really have to worry about that because if anything. I think I've been I've been as well as many other Yankee fans can say that he's handled New York so well and it takes a lot to to kind of get up to to a microphone and kind of just say yeah I was bad today or I was the worst pitcher in the league today and I I think he's he's a stand-up guy that I think Mets fans are going to like he provides some clarity uh in in you know he's very um he's very open about kind of what he's he's doing on the mound and when he's working on something or something goes wrong he's very open with it I think he's a good signing and yeah, not for nothing. It, even if he pitches in a in a spot start role or like a long man out of the bullpen to start the year, and then builds up to you know we always say that you don't need five starters to to get through an MLB season. You need six or seven, if not eight. So could he be a six seven starter on, on the Mets and kind of fill in for injuries or spot start or some sort of rookie, uh, you know, uh, man in, innings management of some sort? Yeah, and and I think that for the price for the, the lack of commitment for, for the lack of having to worry about if a guy can even handle New York in the first place, I think it's a good spot for him. And a good, I, I, I think that a lot of Mets fans probably saw that and said, Oh, wow, that's the big splash. Just be patient. I think this is an ancillary move and I think, uh, I think it's going to be a good one for them. Right. So, uh, and I agree with you, but when you say be patient,
1: uh, you know, the Mets and Yankees are sort of in, uh, you know, they're on different islands right now. I think there's more urgency for the Yankees to win this season so as a Yankee fan, if this went the other way and Brian Cashman told you, no, we're going into the season and Severino is going to be our five starter, right? Let's say that's the ceiling they gave him. We expect him to be a serviceable starter in the five. Is that something you're upset about as a Yankee fan going into the season? Or would you like that signing for the Yankees as well?
0: If, if Severino came back to the Yankees for 12 million and I was told he was the fifth starter, I'd love it. Uh, so for the Mets, if you can, if you can, again, like you said, the Mets don't seem too keen on competing this year per se, or, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be an abysmal team, but I don't think. Right, I just don't be, think there's
1: that level of urgency.
0: Yeah. Or urgency is the right word for sure. But again, I think that's that even makes it even a better spot for Severino because he's not going to feel the pressure of, you know, every start he gets his, if he's the fifth starter on the Yankees, every fifth start might be against the Orioles and every fifth start might be against the Rays and every fifth start might be against the Red Sox. And it's like big game after big game after big game. I think on the Mets in a season where, like you said, not a lot of urgency, I think he'll be able to just kind of, you know, relax into his own. And I I really wouldn't be stunned if Severino has a a good year and parlays that into another contract. Well, that'll be nice. That's the hope. Yeah. So, uh, and again, some, some other big names off the board. We have some, we, we kind of exchanged a list pre-show, and we're, we're going to get into some of our predictions here in a minute uh, just to kind of get the, the record straight. The two biggest names off the three-agent board, uh, Aaron Nola goes to Philly um, on, a, on a very large contract there, good signing uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies. And then Sonny Gray goes to the Cardinals, a, a nice signing there for the Cardinals, I believe. He, he'll probably be their their ace. He was a runner-up for the Cy Young this year behind Garrett Cole. Um, and, again, he, I think he's one of those guys that has proven – if it's not New York, he's a great pitcher. So uh, good really good signing there for the Cardinals. Um, but the big name still looms. Uh, Otani obviously is going to be the domino. I feel like last year when we spoke about this, uh, it, it was very um, contingent on, uh, you know, where judge would sign. Now the, the big chip is Otani. And and obviously it's a little early to kind of give predictions uh, on some people uh, because he's going to, Otani's just going to set the market, but Matt, I guess we can start at the top. The floor is yours. Tell me where you think, uh, as of this moment, Shohei Otani will play baseball next year.
1: Yeah, and I I do feel like maybe he's not setting the market the way Judge is just because, you know, I just think there's a higher price tag, and I think he's a different sort of player, whereas he's kind of unique, and I don't think a lot of teams are going to be in on him, uh, maybe the way there was at least early on for Judge. But uh, Otani, for me right now, I feel like all we've heard is Dodgers – and I will admit a lot of this pick is coming just from our trusted Nostradamus source and I just feel like I I like the Cubs noise it just feels like kind of the way other dominoes have fallen in baseball where every you know the place you expect a guy to go it doesn't wind up being that place and I think the the Cubs are a team that are kind of primed to make uh, a gigantic move like that even if it winds up being one that might be a little irresponsible uh, I think the Cubs are you know, a team that won't worry about that as much as others. So I have Otani to the Cubs. It'll be impossible for me to give you a price tag or anything like that. I don't know how what the bidding war is going to be like, uh, but Otani to Chicago for me
0: at the moment. And and that's, it's definitely a team that's in the mix. So so from all reports, the teams that are definitely in the mix for Otani are the Dodgers, the Cubs, Giants, Blue Jays, and the Angels, all still quote-unquote in the mix. I've seen you know, a couple of dark horse teams thrown out there and whatnot, but I've definitely seen the Cubs gaining some traction. Personally, I just think, you know, if, if you're Shohei Ohtani, yeah, the Cubs are are, a, are a, one of the baseball's historic organizations. But realistically, Ohtani goes to the Cubs. I mean, they're a good team. But to me, it doesn't that just seem like Angel's all over again? I, I don't know if he cares. But that, that's the thing. Like, I feel like... What I've seen, even like at the end of last year, and just – I'll put it this way. If he doesn't care, why wouldn't he just stay in – stay on the Angels? or Well, let's or not say he doesn't care, but let's just say, do we think Otani is more along the lines of he's going to go to the highest bidder? I think it's just going to be – n- no, in short. But I think that, you know, we're we're going to be talking about – I think all of these teams are going to be – if they're in the mix on through Sunday and through the winter meetings – and kind of through until the day he signs, I think they'll be willing to pay whatever. So I think this, the bidding war might not say not end. Obviously it's going to end eventually, but I I just think that a team like the Dodgers and a team like the Giants who look not for nothing. I'll just get this out of the way. My team is not the Giants for Otani, but I think it would be, it is going to take a large overwhelming bid to outbid the Giants because that would be two off seasons that they swung a miss if they don't get Otani. Yeah. But the giants are a team. I feel like Otani
1: would, would be happy to go to, I, I think Otani just based on what we've heard about him, seen about him the last couple of years. I feel like his only real like aversion
0: is the East coast. That's just the way it comes off to me. Yeah, I think so too. So, all right. So i I'm going to take a couple of our points. We just said, and I'll, I'll give you my answer. And it's it's boring, but I think he goes to the Dodgers. And, and yeah. my answer, my reasoning is is simple. It's it, it's just the the poster boy team on the team that he can even if he doesn't care about winning. What does it matter like to Otani if everyone's bidding the same numbers? Why wouldn't you go to a winner? And like, why wouldn't he want to be not necessarily just one of those guys that is just an all time great player, but an all time great player that has also won? And I think if he goes to the Dodgers he doesn't have to sweat about pitching this year. They'll figure out their pitching. The Dodgers always do. And I think that it just makes so much sense. It really does. And I think that, uh, you know, again, staying on the West coast, you got the storyline with the, you know, the, the California rivalry per se, he uh, goes to the NL gets out of the American league. I, I just think that it just makes so much sense for the Dodgers to just pounce on that. Yeah. I, I'd, and, uh, I'd and, hate and, to be an angel fan. An, yeah. I don't even get me started. That's I I complain about like
1: being a Mets fan and being, you know, like the the little brother in in this city, forget about it. Imagine being an angels fan.
0: And, and you know, what's crazy too about that? Like, I think that we're going to be sitting here next year, if not in the middle of this year. And there's going to be rumors of all where, where are the angels going to trade Mike Trout and how the Yankees and how do the Yankees get him? (laughs) Yeah. And I, I, you know, it's, it's really, really unfortunate. And kind of, there's part of me that, for the sake of the Angels, I guess, and I'm a big Mike Trout fan, always have been. For the sake of Mike Trout, I would just, I mean, I would love to see Otani go back to the Angels and try and kind of just again. We 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 spoke about this with um, who are we just talking about? I said I all always root for because he stuck with the team. Oh, Devin Booker. Like I have a I have an affinity for guys that 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 will stay on a team like through thick and thin, and I think that it, it would say a lot about Otani's character, and it's yeah. not. You know, if he just stay with the Angels and kind of made it a, a point to say, kind of like what Judge did. Hey, I'm coming back to the Angels. You'll pay me a lot of money, but I want to be involved in things. So I, I'll have my, you know, my wisdom and my eyes on other free agents and other people around the league. And we're going to we're going to get this done here. I think I would have a lot more respect for him if he did that.
1: Yeah, I, I just think if I'm Otani, I'm kind of looking at the Trout blueprint. And I mean, how many years has Trout been in the league now? 12, 13 yeah. years, something like that. And I'm like.
0: This isn't going anywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, winning wise, but again, if you don't think if you don't think Otani really cares about winning, and I'm not necessarily just you, but just people in general, uh, how much does that really matter to him?
1: Yeah, I, you see, like I'm kind of in the middle on a guy like Otani because I don't think it doesn't matter, but I also don't think he's like get me to the team that's closest to a championship right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to be in the league for another what, twelve, thirteen years at least. So yeah, let's hope. Hopefully. But uh, but yeah. Again, so I'm on Dodgers. Uh, you're on the Cubs, as per um yourself and our uh MLB Nostradamus. Uh, take that as you may. Let's hop over to the next one because I got an interesting answer for this one. Um, Yamamoto, where's he going? Biggest biggest pitching free agent um, this off season, probably you know outside of Nola maybe. Uh, but now again, Nola off the board. Where's y- Yamamoto pitching next year?
1: Yeah, I feel like your
0: prediction is going to be Yankees and I'm just going to go the
1: other way and say Mets just because I don't and and this is a guy that the Mets are, you know, uh, they're apparently in on. Uh, I think this is the type of move that the Mets uh still feel like, you know, they're in a position to make where, you know, you're not going to see any more, you know, 45 million dollars to a 39-year-old pitcher kind of stuff, but I think the Mets will still open the checkbook for a guy like Yamamoto. Uh, the only thing that I, I've kind of heard about these, and I don't know if we talked about on this uh, on the podcast before, but a lot of these, you know, players from Japan, they come over here and don't want to play together. And I don't know why that is. I almost feel like that would be a, a nice thing, a helpful thing. But, uh, you know, with Kodai Senga here, I'm not sure where that comes from, if that's really a thing. Uh, but in terms of the Mets, you know, the Mets free agency goals this year, I think Yamamoto fits. Um and so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Mets there. It's going to be the only guy I have the Mets taken here, but uh, I had to get him in there once.
0: Uh, I'm I'm two on the Mets, and I think we might have a. And it's kind of for a simple reason. Again, I, I I hear you on all that. I think that it's I to me it makes very little sense why why that's the case. Maybe uh, when they come over from Japan, they're just you know hyper competitive and, and want, want to play against each other rather than be on the same team. I, I I'm not sure, um, but. I think Yamamoto is going to be the first time that we're going to see Steve Cohen outspend someone, you know, another team in in a one-on-one free agent battle with, with nothing else kind of uh, hindering that competition. And I think that not that the Yankees will, it it would be embarrassing for the Yankees to be outbid, but I could just see the Mets saying, look, this is, we're going to, again, the urgency thing with the Mets is, is very key because he's going to come to the Mets and, and, they're going to tell him, look, we this whole year is you figuring out the MLB. You figure it out, and we'll we'll work with you to, to help you figure that out. We'll surround you with people to figure that out, like like Sanga, like uh, uh, maybe not to a much lesser extent, but Luis Severino and guys that have been in the league for for a few years now that can can kind of show you the ropes here. And then when we want to hit our stride, you'll be on our books, and hopefully you'll just be you'll be doing what you've been doing over there. And I think yeah. that it makes a lot of sense for the Mets in terms of timeline and whatnot.
1: Yeah. And Senga really, I mean, not for nothing yet. I mean, after a, a month, maybe two months, he figured it out pretty quickly. So I, I feel like the Mets, maybe they just go back to that department and they say, you know, well, let's get another one. And, and Yan is supposed to be, you know, three times the pitcher that Senga is. And I, and I love Senga.
0: Yeah. And I and I think it would be, a, it would be a great pairing for, for just, a, you know, a, a marketing perspective, a fan base perspective. And, and I think that, you you'd garner a lot of eyes if if you had those two in in in, uh in queens for sure um so uh both on the mets there um again i think the yankees all reports have shown that the yankees are are uber interested in in yamamoto and bring him in as well um and i think that it's it, it would be a great signing for the yankees of course you know i think every time we've seen the yankees kind of falter a little bit they've just gone out and got pitching so if you're a Yankee fan, you, you believe Yamamoto is is going to be that, that guy who can fill in right behind Garrett Cole and, and fill in with Rodone and whatnot. I'm all for it as a Yankee fan, um, yeah. which leads me to my next person. And this is the most Yankee fan thing you'll ever hear all day. Probably just the, the layup answer at this point. I have Juan Soto playing for the Yankees next year, and I think that uh, it, it will come sooner than later that this this these teams will work out a deal. Well, then let's go over that then, because
1: if we're going to spend time on any of these free agents, um, you know, I have no problem allocating time to a Juan Soto to the Yankees conversation. So give me your layout of how this happens, how it makes sense for the Yankees, because I know we've kind of talked it over, you know, in the group chat over and over and stuff. But to me, it almost feels nonsensical to mortgage what you're going to have to mortgage to bring in a rental, because although he's a rental, he still wants Soto. So it, there still is going to be a steep price tag. How how do you figure
0: that that makes sense for the Yankees? So, and who are you willing to part with for a rental? So, a a, a couple things. I think that you know the Yankees can can almost leverage themselves in a way that let me let me backtrack. M- my Juan Soto deal, and I understand it's a high price, and, and I do. And, and all reports have shown that they they have. The the Yankees and the Padres have um, exchanged names. They've exchanged some sort of uh, some sort of deal structure at this point. Um, the, albeit they they were reportedly far apart, but I think the Yankees can, are going to use this Glaber Torres chip, which was in a very similar situation to Juan Soto, relatively young, uh, been only been in the league for what I think Glaber's been in the league for five six years now at this point. Um, Juan Soto, very similar. But I I think that the Yankees are going to utilize the Glaber chip, who, again, will also be a free agent at the end of the year. And they're going to say, look, you take a risk on our guy. We'll take a risk on your guy. And obviously, your guy's better than our guy. So we're going to give you X player, X player, X player. Who those players are. Could it be a Clark Schmidt? I'm down for that. Could it be one of these shortstop prospects like a Peraza? So what I think the Yankees are going to do is, I think the Yankees are going to finally, uh, you know, take a swing at the chance of Juan Soto coming to New York, playing alongside Aaron Judge, playing along a, a young, uh, you know, highly touted prospect in Dominguez, playing alongside uh, uh, the Cy Young candidate in Garrett Cole, and just being a, getting a feel for New York. Right? I think that just looking at the Yankees fan base, and, and you know this, you know, in, in your in your truth of truths. Yankee fans would absolutely adore Juan Soto, and and, and just the fact of uh, I think that there's so many fans that would love to just at the baseline just see a a, a power bat in the outfield. That again, Juan Soto is not a Gold Glove outfielder, but he he's a a warm body that has played outfield before. That in Yankee Stadium, I I feel confident saying he'll he he hit, hit 50 home runs and probably get on base every other at bat with Aaron it just judge feels like a, a big gamble to be like, we're going to adore him so much that he's going
1: to want to be back because agree or disagree. If, if you don't win a world series this year and, or keep Juan Soto beyond this year, whoever, whatever team trades for him is going to regret it. Right. And there's no, there, there's really nothing for you to hang your hat on in terms of like, Oh, well no, he'll, he'll resign here. And I just feel like the way the Yankees have done things, the way Cashman's done things uh, of late They've been a lot more calculated, a lot more pointed. And, you know, when it comes to Juan Soto, I look at the Mets and I say, you know, if everything goes according to plan, there's no reason the Mets won't be in a guy like, in on a guy like Juan Soto next year when all it's going to cost you is money. So, I, I mean, I, I would like you to answer that first question where let's say it is the Yankees. You don't keep them and you don't win this year.
0: You kind of just broke your back. Well, I think that if you're the Yankees and this – not not saying that the Yankees are. This might pay me out to sound like oh the Yankees just don't spend money because they do. I'm not. I'm not a the Yankee fan that says you know George rolling over in his grave because the Yankees just don't buy everyone. I don't want to sound like that, but I think it is very very obvious that in recent times the Yankees have been for their uh, for their stature a little bit of penny pinchers in some ways, and I think that what the Yankees would do is if they get Soto again, that is not, it wouldn't be much of a, a contractual uh, as for the next year, a contractual kind of deal. Right. So they wouldn't be taking on any sort of crazy contract this year. But they but wouldn't I mind taking Yankees... that on if, if it meant that they could keep them. Well, but okay. But I'm, I'm just speaking about for this year specifically. And I think that what the Yankees would do is the Yankees would, would bring in Soto as the first move. And then once Soto comes here, and and he starts seeing that you know wow the Yankees just signed Yamamoto too and oh wow the Yankees are are also still in on Bellinger and wow they make the Yankees make these one or two shocking trades that they do every offseason that for these guys that no one knows but ultimately become you know somewhat serviceable players and i i think that you bring Soto in and again the compensation obviously matters and and i'm not saying i am very against trading Dominguez for Dominguez really or Volpe at this point uh for for a Juan Soto if if they say they insist on having Volpe and they cut the price on other prospects, because in order to get Volpe, you plug Peraza in at short, and, and you just hope for the best there, right? And I don't think a Yankee fan, a single I don't Yankee think, fan, would complain I don't think about you trade that. Volpe for Soto. You don't think they would, or they would? I don't they think you won. should. Well, but but how do you how can you say that? Because in a couple of years, if Volpe continues to become even a, a, a fraction of one Soto, you are going to have to pay him anyway. Okay, but if Juan Soto's not on the Yankees past this season, it's just a, a another
1: guy you lost. I feel like you're you're almost like, like you're saying Soto
0: to the Yankees, and almost already expecting that he's going to sign long term. No, but I'm not though. I'm saying that you get him here, and, and you kind of you're getting the chance at a rehearsal, and and he's been open that any team has. So it's not that he's you know he's making his his value lesser by saying that because I think that. You know, maybe he is. Maybe a team like the Yankees, being that he's not going to just instantly sign with the Yankees as soon as uh, upon arrival, maybe he is lessening his his value a little bit. But for the Yankees, I don't. You know, who's going to outbid them for him? Really, I, I don't see a team like. Are the Dodgers going to do that? And then, then what? The Dodgers are, are going to trade for trade for Soto, get be out of the Otani sweepstakes, and then also be in the same position as the Yankees, where they just lost Kershaw. Now they have Soto that might leave the next year And now you have one less year of Mookie And one less year of Freddie I think that any team that's going to sign him Has this, this problem So to me, I don't want to say it's a moot point But if you want to win this next year Which I think the Yankees are fully, fully equipped to do Yeah, I, I won't give you that I do
1: think the Yankees are among You know, a couple of teams Where if they do bring in a Soto this year Yeah, there's no reason they couldn't win a World Series Yeah
0: Yeah, exactly. that's what I'm saying And I mean, you, you hope that you bring him in and you kind of just by that you're already kind of putting yourself in the conversation of you just, if you, if the Yankees get Juan Soto and the understanding is that he is not signing a contract with them, you're kind of already introducing Juan Soto to that quote unquote Yankee way. You know, like you're, the, the way of, you know, we're, we're not worried about the future. We're worried. We're trying to win this year. And that I think that signaling that to Juan Soto and signaling that to the rest of the, the, organization and signaling that to the rest of the league in terms of free agency, I wouldn't be stunned if, if the Yankees getting Juan Soto is is the first of of many moves where the Yankees really just go for it this year. I mean, I don't completely disagree.
1: I just think it is a gamble and I'm, I'm not sure I'd be prepared to take it. You know what would be the best? This would be like my ideal scenario for Juan Soto. He does go to the Yankees this year. The price is steep. You know, they do the Yankee thing. They get bounced in the DS or CS, whatever. And then the Mets just outbid. Like, the Mets just have, you know, they, they exceed expectations. They say, we're ready for a Juan Soto. And then they just they steal him. That's what I hope happens.
0: Well, and look, it, it very well could. And to be honest, I think Soto is going to get a, a ridiculous amount of money in free agency. And if you're the Yankees, you're trading for him, again, with the chance of that happening. Uh, of, uh, not just for the Mets, but just for anyone to kind of come after this year. But again, uh, I think that if you're the Yankees, you're in a position and you've put yourself in a position that you're, you kind of don't have a choice to, you can't, you can't just sit there and say, yeah, we passed about Juan Soto because we're looking for the future. Okay. So then you're telling your fans, you're going to waste another year of Garrett Cole and you're going to waste another year of Aaron judge. And, and you know, at, at some point, you got to push your chips to the center if you're the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, if you can get them for basically exactly the deal
1: that you just laid out, then you know it, it sucks to lose a Volpe, but I, I guess I, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, but well, if, if the Yankees I, mortgage any further than that, because I
0: already think it's a gamble, then I think then I think they're just they're grasping at straws. And, and I don't want to get I don't want to get too like you know in depth Yankees organization talk here, but the Yankees are are still very deep. In terms of prospects, right? And they, if even if it's not, it doesn't start with Volpe, but even at the major league level, they're pretty deep, right? There, if you trade Volpe, you can put Peraza at short. If you trade Glaber, you can put DJ at second or Peraza at second. You, there's a lot of maneuverability within the Yankees that, again, does not include uh, a, uh, someone Jason Dominguez, but could a, could a deal be a Yankee fan? Would you do Glaber Torres, Clark Schmidt? A, a some bullpen arm. Cause again, I think the Padres, again, they have Machado, they have Tatis, they have a, a bunch of guys there that even if they trade Soto, there'll be a, a competitive team this year. Uh, so I think there's going to be some, some competitive parts that they'll want as well. So does that mean with the Yankees trade Glaber, Clark Schmidt bullpen arm, and then let's say a young shortstop prospect, which let's be honest, prospects are prospects but if you have if you have a 22 year old kid at shortstop and anthony volpe i don't know what value your other shortstop prospects are going to have for the foreseeable future you know what i mean yeah and and so. yeah glaber i almost feel like is a, a guy that they have to trade i
1: think he's a nice player i don't think he fits into you know long-term plans for the yankees and i think there's about as high as his value is going to get so i think if you're the yankees you do all you can to include glaber torres
0: yeah. And I think that that's where it's going to it's going to start and end with at least maybe not the Soto deal, but a, a deal in general. Um, let's let's move past because I, there's there's some other names I think that we should get to. We don't obviously have to spend, you know, a crazy amount of time uh, on each guy like we, you know, like we've done with Soto and guys more so related to New York. But let's let's get to um, some some other pitchers. The, the next biggest pitcher on the market here, Blake Snell, um, where's he playing?
1: Yeah, something screams Phillies to me. Interesting. How about yourself? Because the Phillies, to me, I think, you know, obviously just got a championship. Uh, they're kind of – and, you know, I have the Rangers on my list here a couple times. I think you can never get enough pitching. And, you know, when you're in that sort of elite at the
0: MLB and, you know, contention, I feel like, you know, it, a Blake Snell never hurts. So I, I have – I'll put this out there, just so, you know, so listeners can kind of understand where I'm at uh, for the next couple couple of of names we mentioned. All of this is contingent on Otani signing to the Dodgers. So understand that again, the teams that are, were involved in Otani, the Cubs, Giants, Blue Jays, Angels, are all would have all swung and missed. So that being understood, I think if if the Dod- if the Angels lose Otani they swoop in and they get the next biggest fish in the pitching market and they're going to sign Blake Snell just to stay relevant. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, they, they would see it as uh, Blake Snell had a better pitching season than Otani last year for sure. And he probably is a, is a better pitcher, you know, game, on a game to game basis than Otani in the next couple years, at least. So that's probably an upgrade for them there. Obviously Otani's bat will be another question, but um, Maybe they go with the next guy. Who maybe they they swoop in and they sign Bellinger.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think in terms of the pitching market, there's a couple. There's only there's a few teams that sort of you know have the the freeness of the payroll and also just really need pitching. And I think that's kind of I feel like that falls into you know Phillies, Cardinals, Red Sox, Yankees. Maybe if they want if they really want to add another stud, I feel like that like those are the teams that my pitchers are going to.
0: Yeah, I I agree, and I think that there, there's a, again some relief arms as well that are on here that I I definitely think also those teams might be in the mix for. Um, so I, I say Angels for Snell. Let, let's get to a bat. Where's Bellinger going?
1: So Bellinger here. This is um this is kind of where the Otani thing comes into play. I guess I have Otani to the Cubs, and then I have Bellinger to the Giants. Um I don't, if you remember when the Cubs did. Uh, you know, sort of refused to deal Bellinger at the deadline last year. I think the Giants were, you know, front runners for most of that. So the interest is obviously there. And he also kind of fits into what the Giants have been trying to do lately, the sort of players they bring in. You know, they they love left-handed bats. And they've been, you know, they, they've kind of brought in a lot of, you know, proven good to very good uh, baseball players on the free agent market of late. Uh, you know, they swung a miss with Aaron Judge. Um. Yeah, Bellinger kind of screams Giants to me,
0: and and I think I can just see it now. I couldn't agree anymore. Uh, again, another Otani, a ripple effect there, but I can just see uh, Bellinger's majestic left-handed home run swing into the water there in San Francisco. I can just see it now, <laughs> yep. and I think that again, I again, kind of what I got. I started with is by saying about Otani, the Giants swung and missed last year on Judge. It, it, in all reports. Arson Judge was a giant for all, all you know. Yeah, 10 I'd, I'd
1: say they they tipped it. Like they got a they got a report out there that they got it done. That they tipped it.
0: Sure, and and I think that that will if they if they feel that they're swinging and I, let me put it this way, I don't think the Giants will swing and miss again. I think that they will either get an Otani, a Yamamoto, a Soto. They'll get a big fish or two, and I think maybe it goes down the line to Bellinger. Not even not that that's a bad signing, but in terms of the hierarchy of this free agency, I think Bellinger, if if they got Bellinger as their big ticket item, they uh, all giant fans would be very happy with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Next guy, uh, Josh Hader, who is always year in and year out. I, I begged the Yankees to, to acquire. He just seems like it's such a, a weapon out of the bullpen. He's like a two inning fringe. I mean, he's a great closer, but, you can kind of put him in wherever we've seen the brewers put him in you know sixth inning seventh inning he, he's a real weapon i i've i've wanted the yankees to kind of be in on him for a long time but to me he screams rangers
1: that's that's exactly uh who i have I, they just they couldn't have more of a need i mean i guess you liked i i couldn't pronounce his name if i tried Could you do that for me
0: who the, the current closer uh, uh, I'm, Jose I, Le, I'm Le, have... Leclerc, Leclerc. Oh, Jose Leclerc. Yeah, 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 right. And they and they dealt with some uh, overall
1: this Chapman last year too. Uh, coming off of a, of a World Series, I think it would make the most sense to bring in just an elite closer. Every team needs one. Um, the Rangers can afford him, and I just feel like he kind of fits Texas.
0: Yeah, and I think that a team. You're right. They they not that they brought in Chapman to be any sort of stud closer, but a couple names that I, I've seen so far them that, that linked to is. They're they're definitely in the market for an arm the Rangers that is uh, out of the bullpen. So could they could they just sign Hater? Sure, I think it would be a great signing for them. He'd be a, definitely a, a weapon there. Um, and then another name that I I don't think I included on on the list I sent you, but all signs point to uh, the Guardians looking to trade Emmanuel Classe. Maybe that's an avenue that the Rangers could could also explore. Um, I, I think they'll definitely be in the market for one of the the higher end uh, bullpen arms and, and also probably another starting arm as well. Right. Again, so,
1: with- yeah. So let's actually get to that. Cause I do have them bringing in another starter, uh, by the name of Jordan Yankee legend, uh, Montgomery. Cause I feel like Texas, you know, if you can bring in a, a healthy to ground this year, they're really already loaded. So if you bring a Josh Hader and then you could slot a Montgomery in at your four, maybe your three, you're probably looking at the best, you know, full pitching staff in the league.
0: Yeah, I agree and I, and again the 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 statement a healthy Jacob DeGrom always a looming question mark for sure but uh, I think Montgomery would be me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a Montgomery uh, to the to the Rangers would definitely make sense. Here's my my not an outside team but a team that I think, you know, not necessarily needs to wake up. They had an unbelievably impressive season but it's no secret that the Orioles need starting pitching. Uh they, you know, Dylan Bundy had a great year last year for them but Outside of that, a whole mishmash of starters there. Uh, I, I think I think Montgomery to the Orioles just makes a lot of sense. And uh, this is a total, you know, Yankee boy thing to say. I don't know. It, there's no stat to back this up, but I watch Jordan Montgomery and just the way he pitches to contact and whatnot, and he's so Mike Musina to me that he it just makes sense for him to go to the Orioles in my mind. That's how my mind I'm works. Is that fair? Didn't say any of that. Well, uh, listen, one of these guys that we just went over and didn't have
1: going to the Orioles will go to the Orioles for sure, because they're another team that has money to spend, obviously has needs, and like you said, obviously needs pitching. So the Orioles are going to get one of these guys. So I didn't ace this by any means, and you're totally right. They they will come out of here with at least, um, you know, one of the more valuable pitchers on the market.
0: Yeah, and I think, again, I, I don't know if I included this in, in the list I sent you, but all signs point that the White Sox look to move Dylan Cease, their uh, their ace now. This going into this year, or I guess going into last year as well. But I think if they if the Orioles can come out of this with well, let me let me say this: there's there's four pitchers I have left on this on this list right now. Two are, would be for trade, and two would be for free agency. If the, if the Orioles end up with any two of these guys, I think they had a good off season.
1: Let's keep uh, Dylan Cease away from Atlanta and and I'm happy with him in Baltimore. Uh,
0: uh, Yeah. And the Braves are definitely in on him. I think the Braves will swoop in and get one of these guys, but I think any two of Jordan Montgomery, Marcus Stroman, Dylan Cease, or Tyler Glass now, I think the Orioles should get two of those guys. Yeah. So, and again, a Cease trade just makes a lot of sense. Orioles are loaded in prospects. Uh, I, I think that the White Sox. It would behoove the White Sox to definitely engage the Orioles on the trade front. There, um, don't mean to skip over him. You, one of your favorite players, Marcus Stroman. Where do you have him going?
1: Um, the the uh, the what, what's the the league the team in Israel that Ty Kelly plays for? Maybe um, somewhere out there. Your boy Ty Kelly, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So you uh, don't have any
0: thoughts on on Marcus Stroman? Uh, he's, he's one of your favorites, right? Do you have his jersey on still? You had it on yesterday.
1: I did not have Marcus Stroman's jersey on yesterday. I do have a Marcus Stroman t-shirt. Um,
0: what team? For the Mets, but he changed bobblehead? his number like months later. Any, any Marcus Stroman bobbleheads?
1: I do not have any bobbleheads. I don't think they graced him with a bobblehead night. Do you have any yeah, Stroman
0: thoughts? I I said Giants or Orioles. It's Giants okay. slash Orioles. One of those two teams will get him. I'd say the Braves, but I just don't know if the Braves would would be interested in his antics. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm not either. I, uh, we know. <laughs> um, the last the last kind of uh, group that I'll throw out here, which is a little bit of an outside the box thought, but kind of going along the lines of the Otani thing. The Rays—they're always the team that, again, they constantly churn out prospect that is MLB ready. After prospect that is MLB ready, they have the looming Wander Franco investigation, which no one knows what's going on with that. Um, They—all signs point to them, you know, wanting to shed some uh, Drew Rasmussen, Shane mcclanahan their 2 biggest pitchers uh, outside of Glass now. Uh, had just underwent arm surgery, so they they might be they won't be healthy going into the season. Not necessarily saying this is a punt year for the Rays. Again, they churn out prospect after prospect. But I'll say this: I think the Rays are one of these teams that they don't. It's very you know, you're with us or you're not, and it's kind of no love lost here. I can see them making a big move here for the team that strikes out in Otani. So, like for instance, what I have written down here they they're all signs point to them trading glass now to shed some salary. And then Randy Rosarena, who year in, year out, one of the better players in the entire league, if not just the American league. uh, I think they might entertain a deal for him, too. There have been reports that uh, teams have called and asked about his availability, given their uh, their situation. He, I believe, is on the last year of his deal before he needs to get paid. So could I see the 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 Rays, someone swooping in, calling the Rays and saying, What do you we'll give you a monster deal for a Rosa Arena and Glass now? And I think that a team like the I think again, a team that doesn't get Otani, like the Giants, like the Dodgers, they're like the Red Sox. I, I don't know about the Red Sox because of the, the interdivision thing, but could the Cubs swoop in and try and get those two? Could the Orioles swoop in and try and get those two? Again, divisional, but I think the Rays are no, I, the kind weird, of my interesting are, team to watch. The Rays are so calculated to me and the way that they play chess and, and
1: all these things. I don't even think they would mind trading in the division. That's just the kind of group they are. I, I'm actually sort of terrified of them.
0: And I almost feel like you hit
1: the nail on the head because yeah. when you're you know bring up a Rosarena, I almost feel like the reason that they are already dangling a Rosarena in the first place, you might be right in the money. They might already be like, well, someone's going to need these guys after Otani's off the market.
0: Yeah, and and I think it's that you're right. They're so calculated that 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 could have been just their plan all along. It's like, all right, let's see where Otani's thinking. Let's see who's in on him, and then whoever's like the most disappointed, will call them and say, "Hey, I have you know Glass now and a Rosarini to make you feel better." Yeah, and, and to and, make your whole fan base feel better. Yeah, and I think that a lot. To be honest, you can think what you want about trading with the Rays and how they you know kind of swindle people from time to time. Those are two big names that I think a lot of teams would sign up for. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Any other guys on your your free agent list or anything, or any other names that you want to – or teams you want to look out for? Any dark horses anywhere? Uh, Yeah, I do have uh,
1: on my list that I sent over this morning. This is an old, uh, you know, notes app sort of document. Uh, I do have Aaron Nola to the Cardinals, but I am informed that he did sign back with the Phillies for seven years. So that prediction, we're just going to have to wait a little bit on that one.
0: Yeah, looks looks good for sure. Um
1: seven years from now.
0: Seven, yeah, seven years from now. All right, yeah, you'll you'll save that one. We'll 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 uh we'll revisit that in seven years. Yep. Um but let's uh if no other baseball, we have uh, our free money segment, I like to call it, where we give out our picks. Uh our records kind of speak for themselves at this point. Um we are uh what's a word? Unbelievable. We can't miss. We hit a – you wanted to hang on the rim specifically for our joint Bears money line pick. The floor yeah. is yours. I don't even know. I,
1: hang on the rim isn't even the word because, like you said earlier in the week, I mean, find me someone else who is doing this. or, you know, collaborative uh, effort here, meaning you, me, and our guests, uh, we're sitting at a very pretty 39-20-2. I'm now 2-0 and oh when we pick underdogs. Uh, like you just mentioned, we just hit a Monday night joint underdog. So, I mean, we're kind of untouchable at the moment. And I don't know if anyone – I know people aren't taking enough notice of what we're doing.
0: It is it is not appreciated enough, honestly, because we're, we hit at, a, at an unconscious rate, like you just said. And we're – like, you know, that Bears game, we were all over that, right? You go yeah, listen back to it I said seven. it like you said you
1: had like an underdog. And then I was like, uh, you know, I think I do too. I, I, I have the bears and you were
0: like, ah, oh, you're no fun. Cause we're just, we're, we're that locked in. Yeah. We're, we're really unbelievable. You fifteen eight and one me 16 and nine. You are one point ahead of me on the, uh, yeah, the point scale. Yeah. It's, we're very neck and neck here, but it's, uh, again, hitting at uh, almost a 65% clip, uh, is, is very impressive. Um, you want to get the picks out of the way first? Yeah, let's
1: do it. I'll, I'll lead off here. I'm going to start with a one-point play, and um, I, I am going to take uh, a favorite on the road, but I just don't believe in New England at all. Uh, coming off of a loss to the Giants, I do have the Chargers going into New England as five-and-a-half-point favorites. There's To me, there's no reason um, that they shouldn't beat the Patriots by a touchdown. I don't think the Chargers are anything special, but I know what the Patriots are. And I'm seeing players go on the field saying that their own team is quote unquote ass.
0: So uh, give me the (laughs) charge. You know, I I don't hate that at all. I I really don't. And I I think it was definitely one that I looked for. And again, you know, we just watched the Patriots against the the giants. What a terrible, how do you lose to the, to Tommy DeVito, right? And now you're going to go play Justin Herbert, who in in a lost season, albeit Justin Herbert's still very, very impressive for sure. Um, so I, I, I kind of like that spot there. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, a, a home team that I think has been one of the more questionable lines so far uh, going into this week. Probably easily the biggest game of the day. I'm taking the Eagles with the points at home. I think it is. I think Vegas got this line wrong. I think that we've, we've witnessed the 49ers beat down on teams, but what we've constantly witnessed and we witnessed week after week, the Eagles can play with anyone, and yeah. I'll, I'll eat crow if, the, you know, they get blown out and the 49ers just prove to be this juggernaut, but I think if there's a team that can really match up with all the weapons of that the 49ers have and kind of put pressure on a young quarterback, again, Brock Purdy going into Philly uh, on a, in uh, you know beginning of December game, not in California, I'm all over the Eagles of this game. Give me them plus three. Give me them to win this game. I wish it was three and a half so I could take them on the money line.
1: I'm with you. When I saw the Eagles were home, I really thought this game was going to be a pick em. You know, maybe, maybe a one-point advantage to one of these teams. I didn't expect this to be a three-point advantage on the road against a team who just completely forgot how to lose. So I, I like that pick a lot. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's that definitely I- going to be the uh, the A game on the board. So you are also going to be taking an underdog outright. So you are taking two underdogs, one against the spread and one to win outright. That's kind of bold. Um, I'm going to do the exact opposite of you, and I'm going to double down. I'm taking another road favorite, uh, this time Miami, going up against the Commanders. This is a a nine-and-a-half-point spread. I'm not scared of it at all. We have Tyreek Hill, who's trying to become the first 2,000-yard receiving leader ever. Um, the, The offense is unstoppable, and as we talk about this every week. You know the Commanders are a team that once had a pretty respectable, at least defensive front, and uh, that's not there anymore. And I, I don't see any reason why the Dolphins are going to stop pouring it on teams. Uh, I think the 10 points should be kind of easy. I think it'll be an, almost in no sweat by the time the second half is underway.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, again, I, I just am not a fan of of laying a big number like that on the road. I I, again, I I understand everything you're saying about you know this this Dolphins offense. I get scared of uh, this is kind of the beginning of this or the the start of the time to where you kind of have to factor road and cold environments into it. Something about going to Washington for the dolphins. I I know I said this against the jets. Now I said the jets would have a chance. Something about nine laying nine and a half on the road in the beginning of December from a, from a Miami team or for a Miami team sketches me out. So maybe not my favorite pick of yours. Um, but that leads me to my, my underdog pick, and I think that... I do like
1: to guess these, by the way. Do I have an opportunity to guess it?
0: Sure, you can. So the, the I- rule is it
1: has to be over three points, yes?
0: Over three, three and a half or more, yes.
1: I'm going to say you're taking the Browns against our beloved Rams.
0: No, come on. You think I would do that? Yeah, I thought you were
1: going to stab me in the back.
0: You want a second one? No, no, I don't want to take it away from you. I missed I- I think you would guess every other underdog before, before this one. Oh uh, All right. I'm, I'm taking the Packers at home. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Patriots and I was about to hang up. No, no, hang up. <laughs> uh, I, I think that yeah, I, I liked what I saw out of the Packers last week. I don't know what it is. Again, Jordan love has not necessarily been that impressive, but against the lions on, on, um, on Thanksgiving, I think this Packers team, you know, they low-key have two wins in a row now against decent opponents. They, 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 their defense is playing a little bit better. They, the last couple games, they, they have scored. They beat the Rams twenty to three. They lose a close game in Pittsburgh to the Steelers. They beat the Chargers. Beat the Lions on the road on Thanksgiving. Now they're getting six points at home against the Chiefs. Who look. We've said time and time that there's just something off about this Chiefs team. The Chiefs beat up on the Raiders. They lose to the Eagles. They they play a close game against the Dolphins there. I I think this is going to be a a tough environment here, and and it's an upset spot for me. I think there's a lot of, again, not saying that the the Chiefs are worse than the Packers, but I think the Packers are, they've been kind of impressive the last couple weeks. Again, three wins in their last four games. Uh, and it, I think Jordan Love maybe just be hitting his stride. And this offense might have found a couple of nice weapons on the outside. And uh, watching some of the, the game that, again, some of the tape back from their, their Thursday game, they they really dominated that, that Lions defense for majority of that game. I'll take the Packers yeah, on, on an upset.
1: I think Jordan Love overall has been pretty impressive. I mean, it's been a little bit up and down, you know, his first year. Uh, you know, starting the whole season. But I just think if if you take patience for granted and, you know, you use a little bit of patience here and you look at, you know, his whole output this year, I I think he he has been pretty impressive. He's been above average and he's been more than serviceable. So I I like that pick. I think the Chiefs are, I'm not going to say they're on a downward spiral or anything like that, but, you know, sort of trending downward and the Packers sort of trending upward. So I like it.
0: Yeah, and, and they should, I believe Aaron Jones, it was questionable this whole week, but I think, that should be his first name. They should change yeah. it to that. They should actually change it to
1: doubtful,
0: questionable Jones. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think all signs are going to point to him being back as well. He's a big weapon there, um, and, and you know they've been doing without, obviously without Jones, who's again probably their biggest offensive weapon. But um, but yeah, our I think it's a good spot. But um, let's let's get to the rest of the slate, and let's let's start with our beloved Jets. Um, The Jets have a home game where they are an underdog against the Atlanta Falcons, embarrassingly. uh, Falcons are giving two, heading to MetLife.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I look at this game and I root for a win or a loss, because to me, I think the whole storyline about this game, I think the only thing that this game really matters toward is your draft pick and the mindset of Aaron Rodgers. So... As of this morning, if you look at the Jets, they have less than a 1% chance of making the playoffs, and this is a very winnable game. So if you go out there on Sunday, you beat the Falcons, I I still think you're going to be out of it, but we know that the city doesn't see things like that, and a lot of the Aaron Rodgers noise, I think, is going to intensify, and it's going to get a lot louder, and I I think he's going to be on the sideline for this game as well, so... I think you're going to go into this game. You're going to get the same sort of offensive effort you've gotten all year. We're going to see a little more Tim Boyle uh, with a you know another week of practice under his belt, whatever that's worth. Because I mean, he might be splitting reps with Aaron Rodgers right now, which is another thing that the Jets do that won't make any sense to me. Um, I don't really have a read on this game. I guess I could see the Jets winning. I, you know, Desmond Ritter might be the most. You know, turnover prone quarterback in the league outside of Josh Allen, but Josh Allen has some skill. Uh, so this could be like a three, four turnover kind of, uh, you know, effort from the Jets defense here. It's a game I could absolutely see them winning. And for that reason, I'm going to pick them. But I think it, this is really more about the turmoil that's going to hit after they win the game if they do so.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that you're almost in kind of in short, a win would put them in just a weird position, right? <laughs> Like, they would be 5-7 and seven with the most outside of outside hopes to get in. And then you have this this guy, Rodgers, in your ear that's kind of like, you know, might come back. And all the signs point to wanting to come back. I, I'll say this. I, I just don't see anything from the Jets. Like, I, I don't – there's nothing there, right? There's the, – Tim Boyle might just be Zach Wilson but can't scramble. So he might even be worse. And I think Rex Ryan kind of made it a point to say that where – uh, again, I, I, I kind of like listening to Rex because, again, he just obviously knows what he's talking about and he's kind of yeah. very forthright. Sometimes he's a little much. He's a, he's a bit much for sure, but at the end of the day, the guy was the, the, the head coach of the Jets.
1: Now, I, right. I know, but in terms of what he says when it comes to Zach Wilson and, you know, disagreeing with even making the change if you're the Jets because none of this is on Zach Wilson, I mean,
0: the kid's been here for years now and we've gotten nothing. I understand, and I'm not saying that he's right about necessarily you know, gassing up Zach Wilson, but I think when he's talking about other players and other parts of the game, I think a lot of times I agree with him, and I think that his assessment of Tim Boyle and the fact that, you know, he sure, he can read a defense, but what does it mean if you have three guys in your face at the same time because the offensive line stinks? That's where Zach Wilson is just inherently better regardless of what team he's on, right? So... Again, I just don't see it, and I don't, I don't see, or I haven't seen it yet. And look, I'll, I'm going to pick the Falcons here to win the game, ultimately cover the two. And I would, I you know, I'll, I guess I'd be happy if, if I was wrong and the Jets end up winning and show some semblance of life, even a little bit. I, I just, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm picking the Falcons. I kind of don't even want to talk about it anymore.
1: Yeah, this might be like a, a ten to seven sort of game. I think really the conversation is going to be if the Jets do pull this one out. We'll have a conversation about it after. Because what I will say about Aaron Rodgers is kind of my last statement because, you know, he is sort of gearing up towards a return. We're watching him throw the ball in the field. Uh, I actually, I don't know if you saw the other clip where he's in the uh, the Jets ticketing office trying to give away fans yeah. and stuff. I thought that was cool. Uh, I think the conversation is going to have to be had after this. But I will say that I do appreciate Aaron Rodgers saying, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me to go out there and play if we are eliminated. But I just don't know how literal we're taking the word eliminated. So if you win this game, you bump up that, you know, 0.4% chance to a 2.5% chance. Does that mean now I have to worry about Aaron Rodgers coming into play? I don't know. And another thing he said, and I think this was from his mouth, was if I were to get hurt again, I have a whole offseason to just to rehab this
0: again. What are we talking about? You're going to be 40
1: years old. We want him coming off
0: Two Achilles tears, yeah. No, I I, I saw that for sure. Um, Stop it. Yeah, really, really questionable. Uh, kind of, kind of phrasing there for sure. But, yeah, I, I I guess I'm rooting for him to come back in and, and then be competitive is kind of still where I'm at. But I just don't see it, and I, I guess I'll be happy to eat crow on that one. Um, let's uh, let's get to some of I the know. other games. Some some teams that play real football on Sundays. Um, we, you already gave your lean on that Chargers-Patriot game. I'll take the Chargers as well, going into New England, uh, laying the 5.5. Uh, next game, the Steelers hosting the 2-10 and 10 Cardinals. Steelers giving six points at home. Yeah, I also like
1: that's kind of a, a high number. I know that the Cardinals are lousy, but I also know that Mitch Trubisky is lousy. This is just going to be like what we always do. I'm just going to trust Mike Tomlin to do what he does and find a way to pull one out.
0: Yeah, and I think that... You know, this team, they fire Matt Canada, the Steelers do, their offensive coordinator. And then now all of a sudden, they put up their best offensive output in in years, I believe it was. Or if, if not just this year, uh, I, I think there was a straight streak of like a crazy amount of games where they didn't have 400 total yards and they finally just broke that. I'm on the Steelers minus six, almost made it one of my picks. If I didn't like the Packers, I'd probably make the Steelers a two-point play or at least a one-point play. Um, But I I definitely wanted to look to gain some ground there. Uh, Next game very kind of uh, non-exciting slate of games here for the most part. Um, Titans hosting the Indianapolis Colts Colts are getting the one I think the Titans win this game Yeah, I do too. I think the Titans are a better team, but I am impressed that you know,
1: we're sitting here at the beginning of December and we're talking about the Colts playing in, in a very meaningful game with, you know, playoff implications of the team that's above 500. So I'll give them their flowers there. Um, but I think the Titans just got off to a lousy start, you know, under an aging quarterback. Um, I, I think that they've improved since then. And I like them to win this game. Yeah, and, and... I do. It, it is strange, though, to see them as dogs on the road. It's almost like I know Vegas isn't just looking at the records.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely a strange line. I don't know how much I would actually, uh, you know, lean into to placing any sort of wager on this game. I wouldn't because I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be one of those games. They'll be on Red Zone. I mean, I'll watch it for the, the Derrick Henry highlights for my fantasy team, of course. But um, also Colts without Jonathan Taylor, I believe. I think he just had um, – uh, he just had some sort of surgery, so I wouldn't be stunned if I saw the, uh, the Titans win this game whatsoever. Where, where um, does –
1: off topic, but where does Jonathan Taylor reside in our fantasy league?
0: He is um, – where is Jonathan Taylor? Good question. Uh, he must be on an irrelevant team because I couldn't answer that oh, question yeah, for you. Yeah, oh, yeah, he is. Okay, got it. The so, uh, only eliminated
1: team even. Yeah,
0: so very irrelevant game there. Next game, there's an interesting one. Here's probably the more interesting game of the 1 o'clock slate. The surging Broncos, 6-5, and head to Houston. Everyone's darling. Tough loss last week. This is a big game for both teams if they want to stay relevant. Houston giving three at home. This one's really
1: tough. I, I, I find myself wanting to pick Houston because Houston turns every single game they're in into a shootout. And I I just still feel like knowing that the Broncos have progressed and and improved and all those things, I just think Houston does it more efficiently. I think there's times when, you know, Denver will get into an opponent's territory, even the red zone, and and they have trouble punching it in. Uh, I don't really see that with the Texans. They're looking to throw the ball for 350 yards a week, and it hasn't seemed to not work yet. So I think when this game becomes a shootout,
0: I trust the Texans just a little bit more. And I think that's a fair assessment. And I think that if you really do see this game being a shootout, I think the other side of the coin, not necessarily this is in my opinion, but I think you can say that this Broncos defense has been playing uh, a lot better, uh, especially the last couple weeks. And could that give C.J. Stroud a lot of fits? Maybe. Um, uh, but I, I think if in a, in a game that I think will be a high-scoring game, I think I'll lay the three points with Houston for sure. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, Let's get to the next game here. We have the Lions headed to New Orleans to play the Saints. Lions coming off a uh, not a definitely not a good game against uh, on Thanksgiving against the Packers, which we kind of went over a little bit. Uh, Lions giving four and a half on the road. Uh,
1: Yeah, I I think they'll wake up from that. I I think the Saints have been, you know, I guess you could say they've been mediocre. Uh, They've certainly been boring, and I just know they don't have the pieces that the Lions do. I expect them to bounce back big. and beat up on the Saints.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the opposite of that. I think I saw some things out of the Lions that, you know, I, I think that Jared Goff, is, he's he's assistant quarterback, right? And I think I've said that for a while. And he's he, he's very Brock Purdy to me in a sense of like, you know, if he goes to another team and another system with other coaches, I don't think he's that good. And in not necessarily saying that he is Brock Purdy, I think Brock Purdy is a step ahead of Jared Goff, but. I think I speak about them in the same light in the sense that once you kind of have to deviate from that and you got to play catch up, I'm not sure how much I'm going to trust Jared Goff to play catch up and against the Saints team that, you know, they, they have their injuries. Chris Olave uh, leaves the game with a concussion last week. I think Derek Carr can get into some sort of a, this might be a Derek Carr game that he can kind of break down a Lions defense that not for nothing, just got picked apart by Jordan Love and the Packers. So I think I'm I think I'm gonna take the points with the with the Saints not saying they win but could this be a field goal game in a in a in a close game I think for sure it screams field
1: goal game yeah I just I think it's gonna take that sort of a performance like the one that Green Bay had if you're gonna knock Detroit off their game
0: yeah and it could and again another thing that goes into this I do not like betting on teams going to New Orleans um it's one of the. it's just one of those like teams that i feel like definitely has a home field advantage more so than others uh, very similar to what i said about i say that the same thing about Denver, I say the same thing about pittsburgh uh, there's a couple just teams in my mind that i look at and I, I just think that uh you know i'd rather not if i if i didn't have to so i'm gonna take the saints to a flip-flop there you already gave your pick with dolphins minus nine and a half uh last game of the one o'clock window i'm gonna flip-flop you there too uh, to me, uh, to me, I look at this Dolphins team, and, and I see the first round exit written all over them. I think they look, two up, albeit beat up on the Jets, but he did not play a good game. He had some really questionable throws. Yeah, who has it, against the Jet
1: defense? Though
0: you're, you're right, but I think that you know, giving nine and a half on the road again in December to to a Commanders team that, not saying they're dead in the water, but they seem to fight every single week and every single week I feel like the commanders are look they they get trounced by the Cowboys the Cowboys beat up on bad teams constantly they lose to the Giants sure but I feel like every week there's like a point in the game where they before that it's been a one possession game one possession game one possession game they're constantly in the game albeit out of the last couple weeks but I think it's a, it's, a, it's a weird spot for the Dolphins. I think they win the game. I don't know if it's by by more than nine points. So I'm going to take the nine and a half with the Commanders. Fair. So So uh, let's get to the, the four o'clock slate. Only uh, three four o'clock games, or, or one four o'clock game, and then two four thirty games. Panthers one and nine head to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay giving five at home. I I think the Panthers are an unserious team. I'm going to take. I'm going to lay the points with the Bucks.
1: Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing, but the Bucks have been extremely disappointing over their last, you know, five games or so as well. This is another game I'm not looking to tune into, and I'm just going to trust that, I don't know, the power of Mike Evans can uh,
0: put them on top by a touchdown. Let's let's do a little, I agree, and let's let's play a little, have a little exercise here. Sometimes I'll do this even with, you know, just when I'm looking at the lines or kind of analyzing the board. If you had to put a number to this, what do you think the over-under of this game is? Just curious.
1: 30, 38 points 38 and a half
0: points so it's good guess 37 I love you oh. I I think these two teams are oh look Bryce young not good so far at least I'm you know rooting for the guy but so far not good I think this game becomes a, a pseudo shootout but not because the offenses are good I just think both these defenses are abysmal and I think that 37 is way too low so I don't know if you want to we want to chalk in some sort of bonus pick. Over 37 in that game. Love it.
1: Yeah, I wrote it down for my own personal benefit. I'll probably tease that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great teaser leg there for sure. Um, as well as maybe the next game, I already gave my side with the Eagles plus three. Where are you at? 49ers-Eagles game of the day in Philly. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you just because I, I really thought this was going to be the pick em And I think if you're
1: going to tell me that, you know, an almost undefeated team, uh, you know, it is... It, is getting three points Uh, I'm gonna ride with them they can't they can't seem to lose games and if they do I'm almost expecting it to be you know in the stratosphere of like three points or so so I'm gonna ride with Philly too
0: yeah and I think it's I'm so tuned into that game I'm I'm I can't wait for that game because those teams are two teams that I have spoken highly of all year I think this is this could very well be a, a matchup we see down the line for sure and it's great that the rest of the four o'clock games are, are kind of clunkers. Yeah, I mean, unless you're unless you're a Rams, or yeah, I mean, the the one four o'clock game, Panthers Bucks. I don't know if anyone's going to be watching that game. Uh, and then you know, as for our next game here, Browns Rams, that's not nothing too uh, of importance there. Rams laying four. I'm going to lay the four there with the Rams for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm going to do the same. I don't really – Cleveland defense, I totally get it. But I I just – I think that that 7-4 record, it has to be the most fraudulent one in the league, and it has to come back down to earth at some point. I think it probably starts this week.
0: Yeah, and and I I think I agree with you there. So, again, Cooper Cup questionable for the Rams, so definitely uh, monitoring that situation as well. Uh, He was, like, limping around all game last week. He's been limping around for a while in a very lost season for the Rams, per se. Could see them kind of being a little cautious with, with Cup there. Or maybe not necessarily leaving him out of the game, but maybe not as big a factor into the game plan as one Cooper Cup usually is. Yeah, um, yeah. And we, we, here's, we
1: uh, get over to Sunday night. This is a game that you already picked. You took the yep. Packers as your underdog. Uh, I didn't dislike the, the pick, but I'm just going to flip it. I don't think Lambeau Field is – you know this home field advantage sort of dungeon that everyone thinks it is. But I think they get beat up there in big games, and I think it's a big game for the Chiefs. Kind of, you know, let's get ourselves to nine three here, but let's not fall any deeper. And uh, I think they they can beat Green Bay by a touchdown.
0: I I kind of agree as well, but I think that in in my mind, I mean, I agree in the sense of if the Chiefs are going to win, they're not going to be scared off of Lambeau Field. Is what I should say. And I, but I think just putting yourself in the shoes of Packers and Packer fans. You come off a win against a division rival on Thanksgiving on a team that is playing well, kind of still in the playoff hunt. I think Lambeau Field's going to be up for this game. I think it's going to be one of those classic Lambeau field Sunday night games that I don't know. I I get my Rogers vibes from this, from this kind of game. It would be wonderful if this was a Rogers Mahomes Sunday night vehicle, uh, you know, maybe circa two years ago or so. But um, it would also yeah. be wonderful if when we got to Monday night,
1: it was a Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow vehicle. But that will not be the case.
0: Yeah, uh, Jaguars at home Monday night, giving eight and a half to uh, the Joe Burrowless Bengals. Um, I think it's a tough number. These Monday night games are weird. I think the Bengals look in a lost season. Sure, you know, no Burrow. They're going to see what they have with, I guess, the rest of the roster. Really. It's a it's a big number, though, for a Jaguars team that, you know, let's be honest, they win, they have a great record, but I I do not put them in the conversation of, you know, the elite of the elite of the NFL.
1: No, I'm not either. I think it was really that San Francisco beatdown that kind of got me down on the Jaguars a little bit. Uh, what I will say about this game is this is kind of another one where I feel like I like the over in a game like this. Uh, from where I'm looking right now, it looks like it's set at you know,
0: 38 and a half. And
1: we've seen the Jaguars come close to doing that by themselves.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I, I don't think that I would, I, I'll put it this way. I'd be stunned if the Bengals won this game. But if it's a close game and the Jaguars win, you know, let's say a touchdown game, I wouldn't be stunned either. So, you know, so eight and a half is a big number. I, I kind of don't want to touch any sort of spread here. But I guess for the sake of just, you know, uh, just taking the better team at home, I guess he got to take the Jaguars, right? Yeah, gun to my head.
1: Give me the Jaguars. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, and I agree there. So, um, all right. So th- that's the slate there. Definitely some some interesting games. I think, obviously, the biggest game of the day is the, the 49ers-Eagles game. Uh, I think that'll do a monster number in terms of ratings. Um, we'll probably be back post-winter uh, meetings, honestly. Winter meetings, be- not post, but, you know, in the midst of them being underway. They begin on Sunday. uh, So we'll be back uh, sometime next week to talk, hopefully some sort of big free agent news uh, that is on top of what we kind of went over today, maybe a jet win giants on their bye this week. So we'll be looking forward to their next game. Um, And then we could have some major shakeups in the NFL standing. So definitely stay tuned. Like Um, that, that big
1: uh, Eagles Niners game. I mean, the Cowboys are sitting there at nine and three saying, you know, if they
0: lose to San Francisco, we're still in it. If, if, yeah, and that's kind of a, another thing. The Cowboys was made the game last night a lot bigger. Um, they now, if, if the Eagles somehow lose tomorrow or lose, sorry, lose on Sunday, they're they, the NFC East is still viable for the the Cowboys, very yeah. viable. Only, you know, only one game out. I'm I'm gonna look at their schedule real quick before we get out of here, but um, the I'm, I would, I would guess that the Eagles, yep, next week, Eagles, Cowboys. So if the Eagles lose against that? the 49ers, you see Eagles-Cowboys next week in Dallas. Man, on a Sunday night, now I'm rooting for San Francisco. Yeah, not not me, but uh, you you can root for San Francisco all you want. But let's uh, – Well, I also uh, hope that – never mind. You sure?
1: You know what? Yeah, I I, I could use Jalen Hurts going down this game, but, but being healthy, being healthy the next week. But I could use him get knocked out of the game in the first quarter for sure.
0: Got it. All right. Well, let's Got I'm an important uh, fantasy matchup.
1: I don't know if you're aware of it.
0: Yeah. I mean my my uh my fantasy matchup this week, uh or our fantasy matchup this week, uh it could be very dependent on the, the future of this show. Let's just put it that way.
1: Yeah, I get like if this is what keeps me out, um I, I might put in my resignation.
0: <laughs> Will you put that into HR? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, uh I guess, you know, root for your favorite your favorite podcast host in our, in our big uh, sweaty matchup this weekend in uh, fantasy kind of whoever loses is kind of not on the outside looking in for me, but uh, that would be two in a row losses, two r- losses in a row for me. You would be on the outside looking in with one leak to go big match your, your
1: last not not to harp on fantasy on the podcast but is your last matchup like an easy win for you or, or could you potentially be in a little bit of danger if I be here
0: I'm in a lot of danger if, if I think I play Matt to end the season uh who has a who has a very viable team and probably yeah. If that might be a, depending on what ha- what shakes out the rest of the league that could be a win and in for both yeah, of us yeah. so uh, definitely i I'd like to get it done this week let's just put it that way yeah. um, but as always thank you for listening uh, hopefully we'll be back next week with some, some more news and you know more MLB news to kind of go over and maybe one of our teams makes a big splash maybe the Jets win so uh, thank you for listening follow us on all our socials and peace out